0: Let's just jump in, and if you have any questions later, we'll ask some. So it says this, Jesus wants you to prosper financially. This is something that is important to everyone. It takes money to live, to get your needs met, and to be a blessing to others. God didn't leave us alone in this area and say, I'm concerned about the spiritual part, but I don't care about your financial part. You're on your own. He didn't say that. No, he loves you in every way, spirit, soul, and body, and he's made provision for you. Most people recognize that some degree of financial pro- prosperity is necessary, but religion basically has taken a stand against having an abundance. And uh, have, have you all found that to be true as well? Yeah, I, ha- I have too. It's like, okay, you can get your needs met, All right, but no more than that, okay? More than that is pride. A lot of times it's kind of the way that I've seen it come off, uh, but that's not true at all. Actually, there's nothing in the Word that backs that. Uh, Matter of fact, it goes to the contrary of it. It says the Word of God teaches against greed in many different ways, but also makes it very clear that finances are a blessing. In 3 John 2, the apostle John said, Beloved, I... I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. What a strong statement. John says, above all things. I mean, think about that. Uh, He's saying, I want you prosperous in every area of your life, above everything. That's an amazing statement. It's talking about healing, emotions, relationships, and finances the lord wants you to prosper and to be in health above everything else he wants you to prosper in spirit soul and body that is his will for you now and and i'm going to add in here uh and and i believe he's going to talk a little bit more about it but i'm going to talk a little bit here about just the human flesh nature okay the human flesh nature is to say as soon as we hear about prosperity ooh Stuff, my stuff, you know, like that. That's human flesh nature. God's not okay with that. And he and he does talk about that. But the but the promise and the knowledge of who he is and what he wants for his children is For us to have everything that he wants us to have, which is a prosperity. He wants us overflowing. He just doesn't want that stuff to have us. That's a great statement. It really preaches about the heart of God throughout the whole testimony of the word. Not just a snippet here or there. The whole testimony of the word shows how God wants us to be blessed in every area of our life. Most of the time, though, when we hear the word prosperity, here's where we go. We go straight to money. That's, That's... um, let me put it this way. That's an um, elementary idea of the prosperity that God has for you. Um, money is just a beginning of one of the places. He, because you can have money and not be very prosperous. All right, According to the heart of God, you can have money and not be prosperous. Think about, I mean, the millionaires that you know about and stuff like that. How many of them are truly happy and truly have joy? Because they may, have, they may be prosperous in money, in the world sense, but they're not prosperous in God's sense where they have the fullness of joy. All right? So, <clears throat> many religious people actually say, that God wants you to be poor, that being poor is a godly thing, and the poorer you are, the more godly you are. I was raised under this Andrew talk, I was raised under that kind of thinking, that preachers shouldn't have very much, that a Christian is a person who should do without. This certainly cannot be substantiated by Scripture. Abraham was the richest man of his time, so much so that the kings asked him to depart because his possessions were affecting the wealth of their countries. That's an amazing thing. The same was true of Isaac and Jacob. Joseph was a man who prospered and had superabundance. David gave to the Lord out of his own personal treasury over $2.5 billion uh, worth of gold and silver to build the temple the like these are the heroes of the bible right <laughs> these all right and they're the ones that god do you think that god could have chosen anybody he wanted to to be our examples as heroes so this kind of says something doesn't it? all right Solomon, David's son, was the richest man that ever lived on the face of the earth. When you look at it scripturally, people who have really served God were blessed financially. They were. The people that have really served God were blessed. These are examples of people who struggled and did without. Paul said in Philippians 4.13 that he could do all things through Christ and had learned to be content in whatever situation he was in. He said he knew how to be abased and how to abound. There were times when God's servants went through poverty and difficulty, but you cannot find in Scripture that the poorer you are, the more godly you are. You can't, You can't find that. That is not true, and you can go out on the streets and see it disproved. In other words, you can go uh, see people that are extremely poor and see that that it does not, in effect, make them godly, right? What makes them godly is them living a godly life. So yes, there's a truth here that greed is wrong. In First Timothy 6.10 it says, For the love of money is the root of all people. Some people take that and say that the money is the root of all evil, but it says the love of money is the root of all evil. There are people who love money and don't have a dime. Others have great wealth but don't love it. They just use money. They put money in its proper place. Does that make sense? I, I like I like thinking about it like that. You know, they they let money be where it's supposed to be. Money is supposed to serve them and their godliness, not them serving money. Okay, it, it's a tool. It's and you just use it, and you use it. You seek the Lord on it. If you want to use anything, right, anything, then what you do is you go to God and say, "How do I do this?" Uh, I've given the example before of um, where uh, you know the Lord placed something in my hand and put some, put some money in my hand, uh, Nicole and I, and, uh, and I r- used to, I'd have been like, ooh, praise God, amen, you know, <laughs> hallelujah, you know. And uh, But then you get to the place, and you should live in this place where, hey, you've got something that's unexpected in your hand. All of a sudden, you start going, why is this here, Lord? What do you want for this? And I've had times where I've done that, and he said, put it in your pocket. And I go, ooh, ooh, praise God, amen. You know? but, and then I've had times where he said, that goes to somebody else. You know. One time, I can remember specifically, uh, I I'd received about $300, and it was just uh, a blessing. And right at that moment, there was a missionary going somewhere, and they needed $300. And when I asked the Lord, I felt like, This just isn't quite, you know, mine, you know, and I praise God for it. Thank you, Lord, for giving this to me, and thank you for being provision for you. You know, that's what it was for. So you just seek him. When you learn how to do that, think about what God will do with your finances then. How much will he flow through you? And here's his thing. He never is just a cup full. In other words, let's say that Nicole has something to do in the kingdom of God and she needs $100, right? Well, he never, if I'm the one providing the $100, he's not just a cup full, now pass it, now hand it out. He's a cup running over. So in other words, generally what he's going to be doing is he'll give me 150 And then 100 goes to meet that need. And 50 is overflow that's now in my life. Well, think about if, that, if you trust the Lord in that way, how he can do those things. It's, it's awesome. All right, Deuteronomy 8.18 shows the real purpose of financial prosperity. The Lord was talking to the Israelites who were about to enter into the promised land and were going to experience wealth and prosperity in a way they, had ne- they never had before. He told them, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers as it is this day. According to this passage of Scripture, the purpose of prosperity is not to have an abundance of things for your own selfish purposes, but so you can establish God's covenant here on earth. And let's go back and look at that. He said, why, is he, why does he give us the power to get wealth? That he may establish his covenant. All right, now his covenant goes into a bunch of different areas. Let's talk about you for just a second. His covenant with you is to take care of you, is it not? Cast your cares on him for he cares for you. That's a part of his covenant to you. That's a part of who he is to you. All right? So if he's establishing his covenant in you, one of the things that that's saying is he's fulfilling his promise to you. God will fulfill his promise to take care of you. Well, when you start believing that and receiving that by faith, then he can start flowing uh, some financial things to you. It's part of his uh, physical prosperity to you. But let's look at the big picture. That was kind of your individual picture, but let's look at the big picture. The big picture is so that he can establish, he gives you the power to get wealth, so that he can establish his covenant in the earth for everybody. So in other words, it's not for me to think that I have wealth just for myself is a misunderstanding of this verse and it's very short sighted and matter of fact it's very selfish. Now he it, that is a part of it and you don't need to overlook that it is for you, right? But one of the biggest things is that you know um Man, if the church, this is something I've thought about. If the church ever gets a hold of this, I think he talks about it here in a minute. If the church ever gets a hold of this, um, let's see here. See, 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 see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, Chris, will you come here, please? All right, so if the church ever gets a hold of this, this is so important. All right, so the word talks about kings and priests, okay? All right, so uh, priest, king, all right? And what's our job as priest? May you be blessed. Above all things, may you prosper and be in health, and the blessing pour out. Now, what's he anointed to do? He's (laughs) anointed... I'm getting there. You're jumping ahead of me. (laughs) See... And, and he's now anointed on another level in the power to get wealth through God's man praying and, and believing in God for increase in his life. When we together believe for some two or more agree it shall be done, now all of a sudden when he puts his hands to work on something, what happens? Wealth happens, right? Uh, wealth in things running right, wealth in not having problems, wealth in the devourer not stealing. We, we believe God, and you may, have, you may have, you know, like stealing by breaking down equipment at the job or stealing your reput- reputation with your bosses, all that kind of stuff, in any way, it gives you the power to step out of that. And even if you've experienced that before, all right, from this moment forward, we're going to experience less. Amen? We're going to see that go away more and more and more. But even if something happens, you know uh, who's your source. God's got you. But the job of the priest is to go, hey, bless. And then the job of the king is to receive that abundance and then bless back the priest in that, in that way. And then this rises, this ministry is able to rise, the priestly ministry is able to rise, then uh, that anointing should be rising with it if the priest is doing their job too. And then it just continues. Both people start to operate in more and more and more. Imagine if that actually happened in the church, what would happen. Imagine if we got a hold of that. Imagine if we got to the place that what you're living on right now was only 50% of your income and the other 50% you were able to give into not just this ministry but just the kingdom for the purposes to establish God's covenant. Do you know what could happen? And then now you're using money for what it's supposed to be used for. Now you're supposed to. And then you just you just believe God. Just keep overflowing. But this cycle and this circle is supposed to be repetitive. This is the way that God established it uh, from the beginning so that the blessing would just pour out. You see it with Abraham and Melchizedek. And Melchizedek blesses him and, and Abraham gave to him. And you see the same pattern like that. Poured out, poured out, poured out, poured out, poured out. That's the way it's supposed to work. And what happens is both of us, get taller in the things of not only prosperity in every area of our life but the covenant is established stronger and stronger and stronger that's the way it's supposed to work amen amen thank you so bless and be oh yeah come back here so be blessed in jesus name in every way may your hands overflow and we praise you amen Amen. Amen. all right According to this passage of scripture, the purpose of prosperity is not to have an abundance of things for your own selfish purposes, but so that you can establish God's covenant here on earth. In other words, God will bless you so that you can, in turn, be a blessing. In Genesis 12:2, the Lord told Abraham, I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. Before you can be a blessing to anyone else, you have to be blessed yourself. You have to. Uh, I'll just tell you, I, I'm kind of been holding this testimony and maybe i'll share it another time but you know towards the end of the year uh through boomerang uh we were able to sow into people's lives thousands and ministries thousands of dollars this small why and part of it we had been diligent we had been good stewards we had trusted god and believed god and there was and he had given and there was an abundance in our storehouse now, here's, here's something I want you to recognize, though. This is something that we did. We had our savings account, our storehouse, and uh, we felt led by the Lord to empty that thing and sew it into another ministry, basically. And we did. Why? Because we're not scared about God filling up the storehouse again. That does not bother. No, we're not. We're not we're, it's not there to say, look at our storehouse. Look at our savings account. Right, I I'm aware of a ministry that for uh, probably the last seven or eight years has had um, over uh, six figures sitting in their bank account and done nothing with it. Well, that to me irritates the mess out of me because it's not establishing covenant. It's a safety. It's a buffer form. It's security. It's safety. I well look. We find our safety in the Lord. That's that's where it comes from. And so, you know, the Lord is doing his thing and he's um I I could tell you a story how that storehouse is filling right back up, you know? I I could, I could tell you a story on how he's moving on the kings so that his his uh his uh covenant can be established. I mean, he's actively doing that right now, you know? It's what he's doing. He's pouring out blessings on y'all. For these purposes. But here's the thing. When there was a ministry. They had an opportunity to, I mean, reach literally millions of people. And they, they needed approximately exactly what was in our storehouse. And, and, here, and they, they needed that. It was timely. They had to have it within a couple of weeks. It was timely. And we went, hey, this is not our money. This is God's money. Amen. Man, it blessed us. I got chill bumps thinking about it right now. Amen. Yes. So you need certain things and have certain needs that God wants to meet, but it goes beyond a selfish thing. He wants to prosper you so that he can get his money through you and so you can be a blessing. In 2 Corinthians 9, 8, it says, And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. Man, I want that, don't you? That you, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. This tells why God is going to prosper you, so you can abound to every good work. It's actually like a scriptural definition of prosperity. What is prosperity? Is it having a nice home? A nice car, good clothes, or food on, food on your table? According to this verse, it's having enough to meet all of your needs and abound unto every good work. Let me read that again. It's having enough to meet all your needs and abound unto every good work. I'll add this: something I've talked about a lot, is in the blessing in the Old Covenant says that you would be the lender and not the borrower. How can you be the lender if you're not in abundance? If all you're doing is meeting your needs and and just barely that, you don't have abundance to lend. So you can see the plan of God from the beginning was to move you into abounding. Okay. If you are unable to give to things you feel God has touched your heart about, If you would like to be a blessing to someone but are unable, then you aren't prospering financially according to what the Scripture says. God says he will bless you to the degree that all of your needs will be met and and you'll be able to abound unto every good work. True biblical prosperity. So let me challenge you right there. Do you have uh, places where you would like to give more? You know, to the kingdom and to to the ministry and to, to people in it and everything? Okay. Then, according to that definition, are we abounding yet? Are we in God's prosperity? Not yet. Are we moving there? Yes, yes. Should we continuously be believing God for increase for those purposes? Yeah, uh, I... I, this is something that's really bothered me over time. Is people be like, "Man, God's blessing us. We're doing good." And uh, I just praise God for what we have. I don't need any more, preacher, right? And I, well, our our needs are met. And and you hear this statement: "Us four and no more," right? And but here's the problem with that. You got potential to increase according to this word and you're not applying any faith to get over into abundance and abounding and we're sitting here needing to preach this gospel and get it out and buy equipment to get it to more people here and there and everywhere and you're sitting on it? You're sitting on your faith? It's like, who's the selfish one? You know, yours sounds good, but that's really selfish. That's really, you know, so all of us need to say, Lord, how do I abound in not just financially, in every area of my life? I need, you got gifts inside of you. God wants to develop. How do you abound in those gifts so that when I need a word, you got one? That means we're, we're putting in, we're studying, we're studying to show ourselves approved. We're, we're growing up in spiritual things so that we know the flow of the Holy Spirit, so that I'm not the only one laying hands on everybody. I'm not the only one with a word for them. Yeah. See, we need to abound in every area. Okay. Amen. True biblical prosperity is not just to get your needs met, but so you can be a blessing to other people. The person who thinks only of themselves is actually selfish. I agree. I think I just said that, Andrew. Thank you. for. If someone says, I'm believing God for more, others may think them greedy or selfish, but it depends on the motive. If you ask God for more so you can get a bigger house or a better car, that's not the right scriptural attitude. But if you're believing God for more because you have gone beyond seeing your own needs met and want to be a blessing to others, that's the attitude he wants you to have. He wants you to prosper. It's his will for you to prosper. Matthew 6 talks about the things we need and then says, if we will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all of these things will be added to us. As you begin to put God first, he will supply all these other things. All your needs will be met and you will be a blessing to other people. God does not Uh, God does want you to prosper, but it really is dependent on your motive and your actions in this area. I pray that this has challenged you and that today you're going to start believing God for his very best, which is for you to prosper. So let's uh, read a couple of questions and scriptures here. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 7 and 8. And we're going to read this in the uh, New Living. And it says, since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. So when you give to others in need, this is one way that you can prove, oh that was uh, just verse 7, let's read verse 8, I stopped. I am not commanding you to do this, but I am testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of other churches. In other words, and this is a huge point, when you give to others in need, this is one way that you can prove what? You can prove that your love is real. He says, I'm testing how genuine your love is. By what? By comparing your giving. Um... Okay, all right, <laughs> so <laughs> that, that that kind of puts your money where your mouth is, doesn't it, yeah. right? Oh, yeah, we love you, we love you, not if you're not given, that's what that says, basically. Okay. God said it, I didn't, I'm just reading, I'm reading Andrew and God. All right, 2 Corinthians eight thirteen and 14 says this, of course, I don't mean your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourselves. I only mean that there should be some equality. Right now, you have plenty and can help those who are in need. Later, they will have plenty and, you, and can share with you when you need it. In this way, things will be equal. Okay. This is what happened in Acts, and I'm, you know what I'm starting to see here in Boomerang? I'm starting to see some of that same stuff where people that had, had stuff were able to give to those, and I'm starting to see a balancing, and I'm like, ooh, ooh, that, that's love, that's God's love kind of stuff happening. Now we're really moving in some stuff when you start seeing that kind of fellowship in your family and in your body. It's awesome. So it says this, when all of us join together to give, God wants there to be some kind of what? And it would be, he wants us to have some kind of equality. Everyone should give what they can, what they can. So same thing, how will everyone's needs be met? By giving what you can, when you can. It's not asking you to go and put yourself in in hardship for giving. Now I will say the Holy Spirit will tell you to do that to break you out of it. Like He'll ask you to give something you think it's hardship, but you just don't know that God's going to turn around and bless you right back. You see, you you think that it might be like in other words, let's say you only got three hundred dollars in the bank and you hear the Holy Spirit say two hundred and ninety goes to you know boomerang or whatever, right? uh, but you know you heard it from God that's when you say okay Lord I know I heard this from you here you go and when you do that now, all of a sudden, uh, you open up the door for God because he says, God is not mocked. A man will reap what he sows. In other words, you just sowed, well, you're going to reap. But He, when you're given in love like that, because you're given in that obedience to Christ, he doesn't just uh, give you the fruit of the seed. The word actually says he multiplies the seed. So he adds with your 290 bucks and and we got to trust him that he will bring that in time. And a lot of times that's what people are doing. Well, if I don't I only got $10. I won't have enough to do everything else I need to do this month. And what we're doing is saying, Lord, I don't trust you to get it to me by the time I need it. That's really what the issue is. But what you have to recognize, this is something that he told me years ago, you have to recognize any time that God asks you for anything, it is opportunity to increase. Because if he's asking you for something, he's asking you to sow, which means he's asking you to also reap a harvest. So it's always opportunity increase, uh, not because like if I ask you something, it's not always opportunity increase because I could miss it. But God, because of His character and His nature, it's why when I when I ask you to do something, because of His character and nature, it's always opportunity increase because that's His character, that's His nature. That's why I'll ask you, you know, hey, you want to do something? I want you to hear it from God. not, Not just me. I want you to have resolve on it. I want you to know that you know. Because now you've got a promise to stand on. Okay? But it is important to recognize, too, that a lot of what God will say, sometimes it'll flow through this mouth right here. Because, why? Because that's the position that He set me in in your life. So I can miss it, and you need to always, I'm pointing you to what God said. You need to discern that for yourself. But I would give it a little extra salt, a little extra weight when you hear it because of the position. In in your life, a lot of times. Matter of fact, it's like when JD was going on a trip a few months ago, and uh, he was telling me about something with his car, and it seemed small. And I said, "And this was the small thing." I said, "JD, I think I'd check that out. I think I think you need to go get that checked out." Well, he could have blown that off. He had a bunch of stuff to do before he left town. He could have blown that off. Well, come to find out. He listened. He was obedient to that. The Lord was that was a word of of wisdom there and a word of knowledge operating together. And and all of a sudden, he went and had his car checked out. He wouldn't have made it out of the county. Yeah. He he and he'd have missed his trip. And he was getting on a boat and it was nice and that would have stuck. <laughs> yeah. So thank goodness he listened and it, by doing that it cost him extra money did or did, didn't the lord provide for you every way see there so the Lord provided for him and got his car fixed and he didn't have trouble and he had, a, he had a nice ride going down there too. I mean, it was just God poured out simply because he was obedient. So in other words, you should add a little bit of weight there and, and sometimes those little statements just sound like, hey, I'd check that out if I were you. But it's not just a little statement. That's, that's the anointing. I found that the anointing of the Holy Ghost flows through me for you more than I ever thought it would. You know, and a lot of times, little statements are not little statements. They were they were the Lord moving on me and through me. All right, and anybody that's in your life that has a spiritual authority that's right, it can be like that, okay? Now, that doesn't mean that you just see a lot of people take advantage of that. That doesn't mean that you just go, oh, the pastor said it is gospel. No, it's not. No, it, it can be. But it's not necessarily 100%. Why? Because I have a flesh just like you. All right. So, Ephesians 4.28. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Um. The person that has been a thief should steal no more, but rather should begin to work and make their own living. What does Ephesians 4.28 also say they should do? Give to the poor, to those that are in need. In other words, are they moving even, even this person that maybe is pulling themselves up out of a ditch? Is God believing for them to abound and increase as well? And what's the purpose of it? Not just to pour out on them, but to pour out also on his covenant, to establish his covenant. It's it's same thing with everybody. Genesis 13, 2 and twelve two says, And Abraham was very rich in cattle and silver and gold, and 12:2 says, "And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing." It says this: God could trust Abraham with riches because Abraham was not just thinking about himself, but was a blank to others. A blessing. In other words, a big part of moving in this is being a blessing to others. Timothy, First uh, Timothy 6:17 and 18. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share it with others. Always. All right? So... What three things are the rich to do with their money? They are to do good, do good with your money, give generously with your money to those in need, and share with others whatever God has given them. So those are the things that the rich should do. All right, and this is the last question, and this is for you personally. Number seven Can you trust God with your finances? And doesn't that really answer the question of whether or not we're givers or not? Yeah. When we realize that, we start to realize it's like us having the storehouse and being willing to give it away. The question really was do you trust me? You know, I'm putting this on your heart. Do you trust me? That's really what's the issue. Do you trust God? Do you, and l- let me put it this way do you know him enough to trust him? Do you know him enough? Do you know his character and nature enough to say, he's not going to let me down? He's not going to let me down. And if you know him enough to trust him to do that, you'll find that your life will start to move towards prosperity in every area so that you will abound to every good work and his covenant will be established better and better in this world. Amen. Lord, I just ask right now that you would bless finances that you would bless the prosperity of your people of your children lord i just ask that your blessings would right now overflow in jesus name we praise you we love you lord in jesus name we trust you in every area of our life including our finances amen amen thank you so much for joining us and